Hello, welcome back to the channel. I'm Joshua Roberts, attorney at law, and you're watching Lawyer Up. Today, we're gonna to be talking about pretrial services, probation, and parole. Now, everybody's familiar with cops and robbers and judges and lawyers in prison, but this is the system that manages people that are going through the criminal justice system, but they remain in the community. And it is a vital part of the criminal justice system in the United States. But before we get to that, we are still doing our $50 Amazon giveaway. We have another week for that. So all you have to do is subscribe to the channel and comment giveaway and you're entered to win. And we were doing this to celebrate uh, 500 subscribers. Well, we've blown through that. So if you guys can get me to a thousand, we'll do another giveaway. If you learned something today, hit that like button. If you have something to say about it, comment below. If you wanna learn more, subscribe to the channel and please share me on social media. And remember, I am a lawyer, but I am not your lawyer. If you need advice specific to your legal situation, you need to lawyer up with an attorney in your area. So let's talk about what pretrial services, probation, and parole officers do. These are the offices that are at both the state and federal level that supervise criminal defendants going through the criminal justice system in the community. And when I say in the community, I mean not in prison. The alternative to these people uh, being supervised in the community is to just lock them up in a jail or a prison. But as you'll see in this video, there are many reasons why supervision in the community is a better alternative where available. Now today, I'm not talking about uh, misdemeanors or petty offenses. You can be put on unsupervised probation or misdemeanor probation where it's generally just a period of time where you're supposed to behave. Today, I'm talking about big boy felony probation felony parole, those types of things where you have a PO or a probation officer. The primary function of a probation officer is to investigate and then report on the appropriateness of the supervision of an individual in the community. And then they're responsible for actually supervising that particular defendant. It's important in our community to have an alternative to incarceration. Now, at any given time in the United States, we have about 2.5 million people that are either in jail or in prison. The average cost of our criminal justice system annually to administer is about $91 billion. And they say for every additional inmate we add to the prison or jail population, it adds about $100 a day cost to that system. Now opposed to that, we have about 5 million people that are out on pretrial supervision, they're on probation, or they're on parole. 5 million people. So if you think about it, if the legislature decided to just do away with any type of uh, pretrial services or probation or parole and just lock all those people up, the prison population in the United States would triple in one day. Not only would costs skyrocket, taxes would go through the roof, but we don't have 7.5 million beds to put these people in. We don't have 2.5 million beds. We've got prisons across the United States where people are sleeping on cots, they're sleeping on mats on the floor. The system simply could not handle all criminal defendants if we did away with the pretrial, probation, and parole services. And also think about collateral implications. If we lock everybody up, we lock daddy up, 
well, he can't go to work to support his kids. And then his kids and his baby mama uh, will have to do something. She may work, she may be able to provide for them, but she may not. She may have to rely on public assistance. And for every person that relies on public assistance, that's a drain on the system and it's a drain on the tax dollars. So if it's appropriate for daddy to keep working and stay at home and manage his criminal case while he is living uh, with his family, that's a win-win for everybody. It's a win-win for the defendant and it's a win-win for the community. So let's talk about the name distinctions, the difference between pretrial services, probation, and parole. Now, pretrial services is exactly what it sounds like. Pre meaning before, trial meaning the determination of guilt or innocence in the case. So when you're being supervised by pretrial services, that's from the point of the original indictment or the charge against you up until the point where you are found guilty or you plead guilty. At the pretrial phase, they're generally talking about things like bonds and bond conditions and any type of conditions that might go along with the release. This is where we have bond hearings and or they're called detention hearings at the federal level. And the court is trying to determine whether the particular defendant is appropriate for release and supervision in the community. Now the probation office steps in at the point where guilt is determined. And they take it from that point and they go through sentencing and then for any extended period of probation that the court might put a defendant on. The probation officer in this phase will generally write up a, a sentencing report that they give to the judge, uh, which recommends whether it's appropriate for this particular defendant to uh, get probation or whether in incarceration is maybe a better option. Finally, the parole officers, they generally deal with people who have been to prison, but the parole board has seen it fit to grant them an early release. These individuals are released from prison, but have to serve a supervisory period of time and the uh, parole officers are the ones that supervise these individuals. Now as you might imagine these are very similar duties and in large courts they'll be separated. There'll be a pretrial services office, uh, there'll be a probation office, and then there'll be a separate parole office. But in smaller jurisdictions uh, sometimes they're all in one office and in even smaller counties you'll have that being one person. One person does all of that county's pretrial services, probation supervision, and parole duties. So let's run through a scenario. Since each one is similar, we're just going to do uh, a scenario in the pretrial detention, pretrial services area. And then we'll hit the nuances of probation and parole when we get to those. So let's take a scenario where an individual gets arrested by the police and they're thrown in jail, say for burglary or whatever, and the police require a $100,000 to bond out. Well, most people can't put up $100,000, so come Monday morning, the judge will look at the file and he'll say, whoa, that's kind of a big bond, uh, and the judge will order a bond study. These are sometimes referred to as detention reports, and what the judge is looking for are the particulars of that individual defendant and whether they would be appropriate for maybe a lesser bond or some other condition of release. So what your uh, pretrial services officer or your probation officer will do is they will sit down with the individual defendant and they'll conduct an interview. And this is an interview conducted by a PO or a probation officer, not a LEO or a law enforcement officer. The cops don't get involved at this phase. This is a probation officer. During the interview with the defendant, one of the things you're going to be asking about is your residence. Do you have a place to go if you're released? Obviously, having a home plan is very important. 
You don't necessarily have to have your own residence, although that's great, but if you have a plan of someplace you can go, hey, I can go stay with my sister, or I can stay with my parents. If I'm released, I have a place to go, which is important in a judge's eyes when they're determining whether or not you should be released from jail. They're also gonna wanna know if you have a job. Do you have a job waiting for you if you're released? Will that job take you now that you're facing felony charges? Those are all issues that the PO will want to know. The PO will also ask you about your family. Do you have children in the area? Do you have parents in the area? Do you have roots in the community? Because people that are ingrained in the community are less likely to, say, hit the road and skip bond or to not show up for their court appearances. They'll also look into your financial situation. Uh, if you have a lot of money, maybe making a $10,000 bond is really easy. But if you have no money, making a $10,000 bond may be next to impossible. So the judge will consider the financial situation of the defendant because the bond amount is not meant to punish an individual and a poor person shouldn't be stuck in jail uh, while a rich person gets out simply because they have the money to post the bond. The PO is also gonna wanna know about substance abuse history, mental health history, and criminal history. And sometimes that's the most important part is your criminal history. So you need a home plan. You need a work plan. Those are important things if you are in sitting in jail and you're hoping to get released. And the most important thing I tell people is don't lie because step two in the process, the PO is going to verify all the information that you just gave them. Just because you say you can go live with your mom doesn't mean that you actually can. So the PO is gonna call and say, hey, is it okay if Johnny's released that he come and live with you? And if she says, heck no, that's not gonna go over very well with the judge. Then they're gonna look at your work plan. They're gonna call your employer and make sure that even though you're now facing a pending felony, that you're welcome back, that you actually have that employment. And finally, this is where they run your formal criminal history. And obviously a shorter criminal history, you're more likely to get out on bond. If you have a long criminal history or a history of hurting people, you are much less likely to have a bond issued in your case. Then your probation officer will do a risk assessment. They will analyze your particular uh, circumstances and situation, and they will also think about the various resources they have in which to manage that particular situation, and they'll determine a basic a risk factor for that particular individual defendant. The PO will then draw this up into a report and they will submit it to the judge. And this is when the judge will have either what they call a bond hearing or a detention hearing. And what happens during these hearings is that the prosecuting attorney will come in and say, hey, I think this guy has this problem and this problem. He's demonstrated in his criminal history that he repeatedly breaks into things or burglarizes things. He's a danger to the community and I don't think he should be let out on bond. While your attorney may argue, actually, he wasn't involved in a couple of those things. Uh, he is a fine upstanding member of the community. He's got a house, he's got a job, he's got kids. Uh, he's never hurt anybody. So he is a good candidate to be released uh, from jail under certain bond conditions. And ultimately the judge will weigh the arguments and make a decision. And what judges usually tell us is that they're thinking about two things. One of them is flight risk and the other one is uh, whether or not they're a danger to the public. When I talk about flight risk, I remember a case I had a few years ago. Uh, my client was Hispanic. He was in the country um, illegally. Uh, he didn't speak any English 
and he had picked up a Winnebago in California and loaded it up with 300 pounds of marijuana. Now he was headed to the East Coast and just happened to get pulled over in good old Missouri on I-44. Now, when we were in front of the judge, the uh, prosecutor for the government was making the argument that that guy was a flight risk. And yeah, that guy was the definition of a flight risk. He had no ties to Missouri, never been here before, in the country illegally, and now he's charged with peddling 300 pounds of weed. So first chance he got, he'd be gone. So I didn't have a lot of arguments in that case. And needless to say, the judge didn't turn him loose. And the other factor is whether or not the defendant is a danger to the community. And that's pretty much gonna be looking at the criminal history. Is this person somebody who has a substance abuse problem and basically just gets caught with drugs? Or is this somebody that's out there hurting people? And your criminal history will really determine that factor for you. So then the court will set the bond conditions if they agree to release you. And this is fairly common in state court. Uh, there's almost always a bond, even if it's high in state court. In federal court, there's almost never a bond. Most of the time, uh, the individuals are deemed a danger to the public or a flight risk and are kept in pretrial detention. However, if you are lucky enough to be released on bond, there are going to be conditions. Uh, one of which will be usually that there is either a cash or a surety bond to be posted. A cash bond means that you have to put up the money in cash yourself. A surety bond means you can call a bails bondsman and usually pay them 10 to 20% of the bond and they will post the rest of the bond on your behalf. Other conditions of release are often GPS monitoring where you have to wear a GPS monitor at all times. Often they will require you to not have any contact with any victims or witnesses in the case. Uh, they always have a condition that, that you have no weapons or no guns on your person or in your residence. And once the judge sets all the conditions, if you meet those conditions, you'll get out. Uh, and if you don't, you'll stay sitting in jail. And once you get out, then it's the pretrial services officer or the probation officer's duty to supervise you. And what they're making sure you do is basically behave. They wanna make sure you're showing up for court when you're supposed to show up for court. They'll call you in for random UAs and make sure you're not using drugs or alcohol or whatever you may not supposed to be using to make sure that you're adhering to those conditions of your pretrial release. They'll make sure that you're not going places you're not supposed to go by reviewing your GPS monitor. And oftentimes in an alcohol or drug case, they'll have what's called a scram bracelet. These were made popular by Lindsay Lohan and her little ankle bracelets that reports to the courts if you are using drugs or alcohol. The probation officer will also coordinate services for you. If you need mental health services, you need counseling, you need substance abuse services, uh, they can coordinate those types of services for the individual defendants. And finally, the PO will let the judge know if you violate any of the conditions of your pretrial release. And if the violation is serious enough, the judge will call you back in and potentially revoke your bond and put you back into jail pending the determination of guilt or innocence in your case. As I mentioned, the supervision of this pretrial services officer will continue up until the point when guilt is determined. And that's either after a trial or a plea of guilty on the part of the defendant. At that point, the probation office takes over if it's a separate office. Now, a lot of times it'll be the same office and you'll continue with the same probation officer or pretrial services officer. They're often referred to uh, as one and the same. But regardless, the process is basically the same. 
now that you have been found guilty, there will be a sentencing down the road. So the probation officer is going to meet with you and ask you a lot of the same questions uh, that were asked of you during the pretrial services interview. They write up a report called a sentencing assessment report or a pre-sentence investigation report and they submit it to the judge. And this helps the judge determine whether prison is appropriate or whether you could be managed on probation in the community. And they're looking for the same things. Do you have a home plan? Do you have a place to go? Do you have a job? Do you have a family and roots in the community? They also take a look at your substance abuse history and your mental health history to make a determination as to what kind of programs would be appropriate for you if you're given probation. The difference between the probation officer after guilt and before guilt is that before there was a presumption of innocence. Uh, now they know that you're guilty. And so the shift is from, hey, just behave, to now we're trying to do some uh, retribution or punishment. Uh, there's also rehabilitation of the defendant and any restitution to, that's owed to any victim. Probation usually lasts anywhere from three to five years, although it can be longer than that in the federal system. And again, you're going to be required to maintain a residence. You're going to be required to maintain a job. You're going to have to submit to random UAs, not possess any weapons or any firearms. You'll have to report to your probation officer as directed and complete any type of uh, counseling or substance abuse or mental health type uh, services that are required as part of your conditions of probation. The court may also assess other punishments like shock incarceration. There may be a period of time where you do have to spend in jail so that you experience the shock of being locked up. Community service is quite often uh, something that is uh, given in a criminal case where they are put on probation. Payment of fines and costs is always required as a condition of probation. You can expect travel restrictions and to have to get uh, permission from your probation officer if you want to leave the state. Unannounced home visits are common when you're on probation. And last but not least, you're supposed to obey all laws. The worst thing you can do on probation is to pick up a new law violation. If it's anything of any significance, you can expect a motion to revoke your probation and the prosecutor to be asking that you be put in jail or prison. Now, a lot of these programs are administered through specialty courts. You've probably heard of DWI court, drug court, mental health court. They have homeless court, domestic abuse court. There's a specialty court for almost every type of a probationer uh, where they manage similar defendants uh, and give them similar type services. And in every case, it's the same thing. If you do what you're supposed to do, you'll remain in the community on probation. And if you don't, you won't. You'll wind up going back to jail or prison. And speaking of prison, if you are sentenced to a period of imprisonment in the Department of Corrections or the Bureau of Prisons and you're released early, you're often put on parole. And this is the same type of supervision. There will be conditions of your parole that you have to adhere to. Uh, the biggest being don't commit new crimes because that's the quickest way to get your parole revoked and get put back into the Department of Corrections. The unique thing about the uh, parole system is usually the determination is made by a parole board and not a judge in your case. And what the parole board usually is looking for is uh, any type of thing that you have done while you're in the Department of Corrections to improve yourself. What classes have you taken? How have you bettered yourself? 
either by substance abuse or education classes? Have you developed any work skills? They also look to see if, if you have remorse for the crime that you committed. They look at your behavior in the Department of Corrections. Did you uh, basically toe the line or did you cause a lot of fights? And finally, they wanna know, do you have a home plan? Where are you gonna go? Interestingly, this particular video was suggested by a viewer who is a probation officer. So I asked her, what advice would you give somebody if they're going through the criminal justice system uh, in dealing with their pretrial services officer, their probation officer, or their parole officer? And here's what she told me. Number one, take responsibility. If you're supposed to do X hours of community service by a certain date, get it done. Don't make excuses. If you're supposed to see your uh, probation officer at 8.40 a.m., be there at 8.40 a.m. Don't show up an hour late. Take responsibility for your actions. Number two, she said, be honest. And what she means by that is if there is a misstep, if you do something you're not supposed to, if you know you're gonna test dirty on a UA, go ahead and tell your probation officer in advance. She said, they're gonna find out anyway, and if you tell them, you're not gonna necessarily avoid any kind of repercussions, but the repercussions is gonna be a lot worse if they find out later and they know that you didn't tell them. And finally, she said to not stick your head in the sand. Uh, that being, if there is a situation where you know you're not gonna be able to comply with the conditions of your probation or your parole, you need to bring that to the judge. You don't just stick your head in the sand and hope it goes away. The idea that it's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission does not apply in the context of being on probation or parole. So that's the episode, and I hope you now appreciate what pretrial services, probation, and parole officers contribute to the criminal justice system. If you learned something today, hit that like button. If you got something to say about it, comment below. If you want to learn more, subscribe. And if you've got friends that would like this channel, share me on social media. You've been watching A Lawyer Up. Send lawyers, guns, and money Dad, get me out of this